Hello there and welcome to Talking About Risks with me, Sunny Gopal. This is an audio extract from a video on my YouTube channel. And of course, if you prefer to watch the video, head on over to that channel, which is one word, R-E-D-R-I-S-K-S, and hit that subscribe and the notification bells. I promise you, there's no junk, it's all educational. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy this episode. A very good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. And thank you so much for joining us on uh, certainly a very special occasion for me in the sense that it's the first time I, I get to see uh, Tim, Dom, and Scott together. Um, the title of this sort of um, get-together, this session, is called Psychological Challenges After COVID-19 and Potential Solutions. What I wanted to do is really, before we get started, is to firstly say that it's a challenging time at the moment for everybody, and I'd certainly like to express my thoughts and best wishes to each and every one of you and to your families, and I do hope that this thing will not last too long, but certainly my best wishes and thoughts are with everybody on the call today. And I'd like to start really with an introduction uh, to our three guests are three world-class experts. And I'm going to start with uh, Don, Professor Dominic Cooper. Uh, many of you will know Don. Previously, Don was a professor at Indiana University, Bloomington. He's a leading authority in behavioral science and safety culture. He's a chartered psychologist, a chartered fellow of IOSH, and also a member of the American Society of Safety Professionals. Now, Don's worked a lot in industry with major companies like ExxonMobil, Eli Lilly, Foster Wheeler, and he's achieved world-class safety results for them all. He's an award-winning author and has written several books on behavioral safety, <coughs> safety culture change, and safety leadership. We've also got with us Professor Scott Geller. Scott is an alumni distinguished professor. Fair comments, he's a pioneer of behavior-based safety, and he's a professor of psychology at Virginia Tech and director of the Center for Applied Behavior Systems. He's a founder of the idea of and the movement known as Actively Caring for People, or AC4P. I actually found out that he's actually a Google Scholar, and he has a significant figure in that because uh, he's had over 20 papers with over 100 citations. Like Dom and like Scott and Tim, they've got numerous publications. I could take up hours talking about the publications, but they've done enormous amounts of work and contribution towards industry. And of course, we have Professor Tim Marsh. Tim is recognized as a world authority on the subject of behavioral safety, safety leadership, and organizational culture. As well as working with many of the world's sort of recognizable industrial names. Tim's also worked with the European Space Agency, BBC, Sky TV, and the National Theatre. He's also chaired uh, or keynoted dozens of conferences on safety, health, and well-being in Europe and around the world. Tim gave the closing keynote address at the Campbell Institute's inaugural International Thought Leaders Conference in 2020. 
2014. As I mentioned, Tim also has done several books. Very, very nice to see you. And thank you so much for sharing your time. And many thanks to everybody who's also joining us um, today. Dom, if I may start with you, what do you think coming through this COVID-19 is going to be a psychological challenge for us? And well, what do you think is a potential solution? Thank you, Sonny. Uh, thanks for a great introduction. Hello, everybody, wherever you are. And I hope you and your families are safe. I'm looking at after COVID. I'm looking at what we do and already we have here in the US and in the UK, I notice uh, we have a lot of mutterings about when are we through this lockdown, when can we go back to work. My fear is that we're going to play survival catch up. My fear is that firms are going to go hell for leather to make money. They're in survival mode and because they're in survival mode, we are going to see profit before safety and we are going to see a company in that uh, a culture of fear. I did notice today when I was reading one of the English papers that in Darlington, Amazon, the construction of an Amazon warehouse is so important to the national economy that we now have to send construction workers um, there to without masks, without PPE, without social distancing to complete the works. And in my view, that's just a foretaste of what's coming because they were told if they didn't go to work, they would be sacked. And these are contractors in Darlington for Amazon. And again, the mutterings are, you can see the mutterings across the world. Everyone's champing at the bit to get back. Everyone's going to want to make money. We have here in the US that I know of in the last three weeks, around about 17 million people signed on to unemployment. The US is doing its best to make sure people have got money and giving them money to see them through. I think we're doing the same in the UK. We have a banking system on both sides of the Atlantic that's pretty much about as much use as an ashtray on a motorbike because it can't feed the money to the people who actually need it when they need it. People are going to be desperate for money. There is a huge pool of unemployed people, and it's not just Britain and the US, it's going to be across Europe, it's going to be across the world. So now we've got the conditions that are required for a culture of fear. So, I mean, we can see it's not, we have it normally. So Boeing, the Boeing 737, we've lost 360, 370 people from a company who said, we sell aeroplanes, our business model is not safety. What's industry going to do? How is it going to tackle it? Everyone right now is concerned with the impact of being isolated, locked down. I find it strange. We're being forced to stay indoors and take time off and get paid for it. But that's worse than uh, oh, going to war and fighting up the beaches. I have a bit of a concern with the challenges of that. I don't think the challenge is as big as many imply. I think it's made out to be a challenge. I think the health and safety profession have made mental health a challenge. Well, I don't think it's as big of a challenge as everyone makes out, but I do fear for the culture of fear. I do fear for the profit before safety. And what that really means at the end of the day is that literally hundreds of thousands of people are going to be seriously maimed, injured, or killed. Okay. And for me, that's the bottom line. Scott... What do you think about this? What do you think is uh, a psychological challenge and potential solution? Tom just said it. I got nothing to say. <laughs> no, let me, let me say, I want us to move from distress to stress. What do I mean? We're experiencing distress right now. What do I mean? Don said it, fear. 
lack of control. I want people to understand stress is good. Stress means you're in control. The difference between distress and stress is I'm in control. And right now, we're in a situation of uncertainty. As Don said, it's fear, man. It's fear. The old scarcity effect. We, we, do, we do appreciate certain things we might have taken for, for granted before. The other thing I want to just focus on is we need to go from independent to interdependence. And by the way, we're seeing this now. We're seeing the truck drivers and the healthcare workers putting their life at risk to help others. And so we are seeing demonstrations of interdependence. And so we need to move from our independent, self-serving mindset to an interdependent, helping others. It's the top of Maslow's hierarchy. Mm. Maslow's hierarchy is not self-actualization. Self the top of his hierarchy is self-transcendence, mm -hmm. beyond yourself for somebody else. And, and I want us to, to think about that. And when we get back to work, practice that. Practice what we've seen the healthcare workers do every day on behalf of other people's health and safety. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you, Scott. Tim, what's your thoughts? Oh, well, uh, thanks, Tilly. Um, in terms of self-transcendence, if anybody doesn't know uh, the expression, um, really, uh, and you want a, a nice, easy-to-read book, um, the book Captain Class by Sam Walker, which I have somewhere, um, this one, uh, it talks about the best captains in sport around the world, different sports in America and New Zealand and Britain, um, and it really talks about self-transcendence. Uh, and about humility being the absolutely uh, key element of, of excellence, really, of any team mm. or team player. Um, Liam Cheney's book on, on uh, teamwork is also excellent um, and easy to read. Um, for me, um, you know, when we talk about behavioural and safety and, and COVID, what's really great about behavioural safety, I, I agree with, with Dom and Scott, of course, it's understanding why things are going wrong. Um, and it's based very much on that 90% of what goes wrong behaviourally it's got a structural reason for it. Um, so it's understanding that structural reason. So here in the UK, I mean, we've got a real problem at the moment. We all know how to wash our hands. We all know how important it is. We're all motivated to do it. We can't get any soap or hand wash. You know, and that, this, is, this is in Manchester, you know, uh, <laughs> supposedly one of the most sophisticated countries in the world where the Industrial Revolution started and the computer was invented and we can't get soap. Um, so I've no idea what's going to happen when we start hitting countries where running water uh, mm. is an issue. Um, uh, and so, you know, uh, f for me, um, going, going forward globally, you know, I think uh, we've had a real, and yet another example of complete lack of preparation uh, of our leaders on, on four-year cycles if they're in democracies, uh, looking at dividends, and as Dom said, uh, you know, they, they have two or three-year strategies and then they move on to a new company or they retire. Um, and we really need something a bit more long-term than that uh, and, and, and much more strategic. I think Korea has, has shown the way forward. Switzerland seems to be doing very well as well. Mm. Um, so, so for me, I, I think that, the, you know, the, the classic lessons are we should have prepared better. And if we haven't got the tools, there's not an awful lot we can do just with education and motivation. They are important. Mm. But, but, but a couple of things I honestly think are, are really interesting. The first is in the UK, we know that um, for, for every person we kill in an accident, around 100 will die of occupational illness through exposure. And, you know, and so the BOHS, the British Occupational Hygiene Society, spent a long time mm. doing things like having in, in ultraviolet light to show 
dust clouds, harmful dust clouds that you can't see with the naked eye. Mm. You know, and, and uh, traditionally we've kind of uh, we've been very good at saying that let's, let's not bother with that and crossing our fingers. I think there'll be a, a much less tolerance mm. Mm. of that sort of attitude, a much more a, a much more aggressive approach to that hundred to one ratio. Uh, and of course, um, well-being. You know, I mean, I know Dom and I disagree about mental health and you know, uh, and accidents. But you know, if, if you're going to have excellence, if you're going to have people who are really switched on, who are really likely to do the pro-social behaviours that Scott talks about, they need to be having a good day, um, and they need to be them on a good day. So that's really important. And I think the final thing is that you know, already we see that our young people are just not as tolerant as we were of the bullshit that some of our leaders come up with talking particularly about climate change. And, you know, and, and I, I think going forward, I mean, maybe the major benefit of, of this when we get through it is, is the whole climate change issue. Of you, you can't just be short-termist. You can't just crack on. You have to think about the future. All, all these things that people are warning us about will, will, will be a huge problem. So maybe it's the E and she that, that benefits in, in, in the long term. And I hope, of course, the W in SHW as well. Right. But, so that's... That's, that's my technique. The three of you know me in the sense that I'm, I'm not a psychologist. You know, I'm just a, a safety bod, an engineer. Couch it for me in, well, simple language. Um, Dom. How are you going to maintain a consistency of purpose, focus, and execution on safety management when you have this culture of fear when you have this drive for profit before the right. solution has got to be safety leadership par excellence. Safety leadership in, in a sense that's never been displayed before. That's, that's fine, Don. I, I get that one. Okay. What I want to do is I want to bring the audience into this discussion and open it out. So, Scott, you talked about turn distress into stress. Um, Basically, it's a good thing. We shouldn't. Am I, am I right in that interpretation? Absolutely. And, you know, and, and Dom just mentioned the word leadership. Let's understand the difference between managed, managing behavior and leading people. Because you know what leaders do? Leaders reduce distress in people. Leaders inspire self-motivation. So there's certain qualities of a leader that I think we need to pay attention to and teach. And, and that's part of our challenge. And, you know, it's already been said that we, we have a lot of self-serving. Money is going to be number one priority. And that's, that's unfortunate because, you know what, people should be our number one priority, actively caring for people. And that's a challenge. But you know what? Leaders can make that happen if they know how to make it happen. And Tim? Um, well, I think that the challenge is, is huge. I mean, we know that when uh, trust goes down and resources go down but need goes up, all hell lets loose. Um, you know, we see, we're seeing it in, in, in the, the UK at the moment. And more, more people, extra people, died this week of normal illnesses than COVID. Because nobody's going to hospital. They're scared to go to hospital. They don't like to make a fuss. They, they can't access their GPs. Their, their lifestyles are, are less healthy. And so we've actually lost more people in the UK this week to other illnesses over and above the normal. Um, so, we, you know, it's, we need really thoughtful, strategic inspiring leadership okay and as, as dom says and uh... <laughs> there's a lot of um, meaty discussions there and what i want to do is there are many people on the line here if you have any thoughts unmute 
bearing in mind that Zoom does go crazy if you all start to talk at the same time. Uh, if you unmute and just ask any, any of our uh, experts here any particular questions or any thoughts you've got. From a personal perspective, I understand what you're saying in the sense that we're under stress. We're going to have financial uh, drivers when we get back. People aren't going to be performing like they used to. The new normal is going to be something totally different. Uh, there's going to be all sorts of issues, um, psychological issues. In fact, am I right in thinking that there's going to be some sort of um, post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of this? For some, not all. Okay, so how are we going to deal with that? For me personally, I've, I've got a couple of friends who are very, very concerned, who are very scared because number one, one especially, he's, he's just been furloughed. He doesn't know whether he's going to get his job back. You're talking about financial drivers. You're talking about stress. You're talking about Maslow's hierarchy of uh, transcendence. How, how do, what do I tell my friend who's looking for a job? You know, how does he, how does he deal with it? Mm. That's, that's exactly how I felt when I, when I sort of had to answer him. I, I said, I have no idea. Uh, we, know, we know it's going to be a tough situation. Graham, you've, uh, you've unmuted yourself there. Do you have any yeah. thoughts? Well, I do. I mean, it's along the, 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 the commerciality of it. The, the other side to what Dom's saying is, yes, you can see that organisations are going to dash for the cash. But they're also going to do it in, there's been a mass increase in the way that we are now working in different ways. This, co this conference call is, is a prime example. So there's going to be certain key sectors that are actually going to fall through the floor. Commercial property is one that's really going to suffer because businesses are going to see a cash saving in not having as much office space. So how do we reutilise that office space in a safe way? What are the risks of that office space um, going back into it after six, eight weeks of not being used? So it's not just the, the base cash. It's the fundamental of how we work in the future as well. Now, Graham, you actually raised a question when you submitted your form. And your question was, boards will be looking to protect organizations and to stay profitable. What will be the behavioral impact on the workforce to deliver when they've also suffered personal hardship. Did you have that in someone in mind when you put that question together? No, it's just, I, I can generally see that being uh, an issue because, and again, it's a bit really supports what Don was saying earlier about the boards are going to look to, to save their organizations, which is predominantly one of their first duties, right. but they have to do that with the human element attached to that. And as a result, people are going to be suffering. People are suffering now. There are, if you look at certain sectors of self-employed who cannot get furloughed, cannot be part of the, the, the self-employed scheme, they are suffering because their, their supply chain has dried up. But Tim, do you not think that depends on the situation? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, the different people have, I mean, some people are really enjoying this almost you know um it's, it's a chance to regroup to rethink to to do things they've always wanted to do to spend time with their family if they're financially secure um but then other people are actually terrified you know, it, and it, it depends on on your organization who you're working for uh so I, i've read somewhere that one in five dentists will fail you know be, be before we get to the autumn you know i mean you know as scott as scott talks about you know it's, it's about really well, you've got a Buddhist perspective, you've got to try and 
and make the most of it. Um, and you've got to try and see see the opportunities that there are, if there are any. Um, obviously, if there aren't, and, and people are terrified of, of financial implications, then, you know, that, that's, well, well, that's... Sorry, Tim, you mentioned Scott there. Now, Scott, being the pioneer of the BBS process, I mean, Graham's question is, what will be the behavioural impact on the workforce to deliver when they've also suffered personal hardship? What's your thoughts on that one? Well, you know, I think Dom said this early. We're going to be wanting to make money. We're going to put profit above safety and health. You know, we mentioned Maslow's hierarchy. The bottom rung is satisfying our physiological needs. Enough sleep, enough, enough food, enough, and we're missing that right now. I mean, we're, we're, we're struggling at the bottom. And then, of course, as you get up that hierarchy, and then you get to, to social connections, well, safety and security, and then social. We're missing those social. We're missing a hug. From people we're missing the handshake so we're but I want to say one more thing you can still jump to the top and help others self transcendence mm. and when you reach out to help others that feeds those lower levels but let's face it we're we're into a, a mindset now where I gotta feed my family you know we're, the government gives us a little subsidy but some of but I mean we're, we're I think we're gonna learn to appreciate some of the finer things of life that we formerly took for granted. Mm. That might be a culture change that, that might affect us for a long time. Don, what do you think? Well, I've got a few thoughts on it. One, I'm, I'm much more, I'm, I'm optimistic like Scott and Tim, the human condition. Um, when I think back where I came from, where I literally had nothing and I was sleeping on the streets and suddenly I'm here doing all of this kind of stuff. People have got a resilience to get out of these bad circumstances. I think the government, governments of whatever country, are going to have to put themselves into hock for a long time to create the situation where people are going to be able to uh, create their own jobs. Some people can do it already. There's a lot of these people who are unemployed already thinking out, how can I earn a living? And like you say, we've seen a lot of safety consultancies now. They're all going online. They don't need to do physical training in places. And I'm thinking of some of the training companies uh, like Casey in Singapore where they've moved their model from face-to-face -to, -face to online. So there's going to be a lot of that. A lot of innovation will be a lot of creative. I feel sorry for the people who have to go in on the line, who have to go to the construction site, physically have to go somewhere with a boss who's like facing bankruptcy. He's got his house on the line. He's signed off as collateral. The banks, the banks are going to be vultures. I'm going to have to push back on a couple of things that you've that you've said. Um, probably all three of you, and that is okay. Maybe it's, maybe it's a pushback, and that is Scott. I I get it when you say that we're at the bottom sort of bit of a triangle. And, you know, Maslow, when he did complete the transcendence pieces to be altruistic and so on. Personally, what I've noticed, and there are many others on this um, session here, is when, when we were hit in the UK with this uh, horrible COVID-19, we all gathered together. We all, you know, fight the good cause. We're now into week three of the lockdown. And what I've noticed is that we've gone from a process or a stage of being very altruistic Whereas love thy neighbor, care for thy neighbor, not a selfie, but more of a healthy and all that good stuff, as, as you would say, Scott. 
what I've noticed is a change. And I'm not seeing a change that is a positive change. What I'm seeing is that all the platforms that we've got, one that I use is called Nextdoor, for example. I'm seeing people now on there being very nasty, saying, I don't want you to have barbecues. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do this and so on. How can you have both sides of a coin? I mean, you can't be all nice and, and be uh, altruistic and going towards transcendence and at the same time be the other side as well. What, what is going on here? I disagree well, with what you're saying. I don't think, I think people are still being very nice to each other. I mean, I think a lot of it depends upon where you actually live within the country. Right. I live up in Scotland and I think there is, I mean, where, whereabouts in the country do you live? I live in Berkshire. So maybe it's a, it a crowd thing. Okay. So you live in the southeast of England, okay? Um, and I think there is a very, it's very different in different parts of the country. I mean, the southeast of England, I have worked down there. Um, and it is a very dog-eat-dog situation down there. I mean, I remember being pushed out of the way by an elderly lady in a queue in a supermarket. And I think, I think that different people, different cult, or different people within the in the country, have different ways of looking at things. And I think I have seen an immense amount of positivity. Uh, both from companies and from people you know but why do we have that simon why do we have this divide i mean is it down to uh, social demographics what, what is how how are we going to unite it then there has been a drive within uh, there's been a drive within the southeast of england where people everybody's trying to get one up on everybody else and i don't know the reason i don't know the reason for that you know i don't okay. know why that is but yeah. i think the southeast of england there is there is a view that they've always been that way they've always felt I need to do better. Yeah. Now, that has also had its positivities, and I think many of the people who don't like that drive to do it have moved elsewhere. So culturally, people may have moved in and out. If you are a dog-eat-dog, you've moved to the southeast of England. If you're wanting much more of an understanding and much more caring for others, you've tended to move away from that because that's what you don't like. Being a northern lad who's lived in the south for God knows how long, all I will say to you, is it's about people being scared. It's not about being in the South or the North. Thanks, There's Tom. some Londoners who would give you their last meal if they thought it would help you, and they'll go hungry themselves. I've lived in Accrington. I've lived in, I've lived all over the UK, and I've lived here. People here help people naturally here. Here in the US, it's just a normal thing to do. It's about people being scared. It's not about region or anything else at all. People are scared of catching a virus that they know can kill. The governments have been putting out messages. Stay indoors, because if you don't, you're going to die. You're going to catch this thing, you're going to die. And if you're old like me, just ready for your pension, it'll be a real <laughs> bummer because you won't even see a penny before the buggers kill you off. Scott, there, there is a difference in the United States between the East Coast and the West Coast. Right. That's fake. The West Coast is more interdependent. And it's not, it's, it's not natural. It's nurture. They've, they've been nurtured that way. The East Coast, in general, this is a, this is a generalization. I like to throw in one, one statement. Don mentioned the word optimism. I want us to understand the difference between optimism and hope. An optimist expects the best. A hopeful person hopes for the best, but does everything he or, she, he or she can do to get there. So 
Hope brings in the sense of personal control. And that's an important distinction. And I think one thing that people need to learn is everybody can do something. Everybody can do something to pull us out of this. And that sense of purpose, that sense of personal control can really help us help our psyche. Just to say, just going back to what Simon said, is that, you know, surely the more densely populated places are in great the people in there are in great competition with each other. Right. So I live in the northeast. We've got loads of space here, and everybody's got community spirit. Right. If I lived in a tiny flat somewhere, and there's loads of other people wanting to go to the park, everyone's frustrated. So surely that means that you get less community spirit. I do agree with that. Yeah. I mean that conversation can go on all evening. Um, I'm mindful of the time. So Mal, I want to jump to your question, and this was an interesting question you asked. Do, do you want to say it, or shall I say it? Because uh, what I said was uh, the lockdown, in the, and it actually reflects on what we've more or less just been discussing, uh, and that is the lockdown in the UK uh, has worked for most people, uh, but there are still large groups uh, who are ignoring uh, what has been given as government rules. I mean, last week, for example, uh, and I'll mention an area, and that is Manchester, uh, they had to disperse over 629 parties. Uh, uh, who have disobeyed the government rules. So what advice could we give to, if, if you were to advise uh, the PM at this moment in time, what advice could we give him? I've got another question for Scott shortly. Can I spin that question a bit to get Scott involved as well? Scott, what advice would you give Donald Trump? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> say, say, say good things here, Scott. <laughs> he has to learn about humility. He has to learn that we don't, everybody doesn't know it all. We, we need to work together. We're in this together. And maybe that's, that's a message that people are going to realize. No, nobody can do it themselves. So, you know, Trump, not only Trump, but lots of people, CEOs of organizations, they need to learn that, they need to learn diversity, the value of diversity, the value of bringing in a variety of opinions. One word that, that this, our psychologists colleagues will understand is group think you know what group think is yeah. the boss says something and the people sitting around they're saying to themselves this is not right but they have don't have the courage to speak up so that's something else it is about nurturing it's about teaching leadership it's about teaching humility mm -hmm. it's about teaching actively caring so we're not born that way and maybe this culture shift in our culture maybe it's going to help people sit back and reflect on the need for everybody working together. And, and Tim, do you think that's what our Prime Minister Boris Johnson needs? Humility and... Uh, uh, you know, I, it breaks my heart to say it in many respects, but I think uh, they're doing quite well, you know? I mean, we know from behavioral safety <laughs> that first you analyze, then you, then you facilitate, and uh, then you coach, um, then you educate, then you dialogue, and then you move on to, to enforcement. And I, and I think, to be fair to them, they, they've done that. They've talked to us like adults. They've illustrated. They've explained. They've, they've very explicitly used behavioral economic uh, techniques, nerd theory, to say that most people are now complying. It's you that's letting the side down, that classic, you know, pointing at the majority stuff. I know they're working closely with the behavioral economic unit. Um, and, and the movement now will be a legitimate move to, to some sort of enforcement, just as you know, in, in the world of behavioral safety, sometimes you'll get a word to say, look, you know, we've done everything we can to make the situation right. This idiot is still letting the team down. Somebody should do something about it. It's setting the wrong tone. And, and Dom, you're in the US, Indiana. 
your views are the same as Scott's? Um, kind of. I would take all the politicians away. Let's take away the characters <laughs> um, entirely, okay? And let's think. We've got a problem. We, we, we need to come up with a solution. So first thing we need to recognise is that social isolation or physical isolation is alien to human beings. We are social animals. We like touch. We like being in groups. We grow up in villages, towns, groups. We identify with football um, clubs or uh, over here basketball or whatever or universities. We, we're tribal, okay, which means we're social. So it's very alien to say to everyone, isolate, go away. Don't want to come near me. That's weird. So people struggle with that. There's also two sorts of people in the way that you make decisions. Uh, there's one big, very big, large group of people who make decisions based on their experience of what other people do. So they comply based on social norms or things like that. Okay, And it goes into safety too. So there's a whole big chunk of people who actually do comply because it's the good thing to do for the greater good. They, they just do. And then there's another group of people who base all their compliance decisions on their own reinforcement history and don't pay so much attention to the group per se. Okay? So you've got two lots of people. And I think what we're actually seeing when we're talking about parties in Manchester or on um, the beaches in Myrtle Beach in um, Carolinas or wherever it is, um, you've got these people who are individualistic. They make decisions in a completely different way. Their experiences of life says, well, actually, you know, it's no big deal. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is lockdown, consistent. You do a lockdown across the board. And Greece has got this right because they locked down within four days of the first death outside of China. They've had six deaths in total. In the beginning of April, they, the only people who can give permission for somebody to be out and break the lockdown is grandmother, mother, wife, or sister. They put the policing of the entire problem in the hands of the women. And as I say, happy wife, happy life. Do not upset the women. You upset the women, you've had you, you it. Got Gemma, you got Gemma in hysterics there. I really don't care. Yeah. I, I just want to throw in, I want to throw in a point. We mentioned behavior-based safety. But no one's mentioned the word feedback. Right. And that's the critical issue right here. Right. We have to be willing to give each other feedback. If we aren't helping like we could, give feedback. We have to know how to do that. But we, practice does not make perfect. Practice makes permanence. We cannot improve without feedback. You mentioned what, what I would say to Donald Trump. That's what I would say to anybody. But he's Please. not very good on feedback, is he, though, Scott? How would, you, how would you give feedback to someone who's not very receptive? Well, well see, that's the challenge. That's a challenge. Mm. But, but that's what he needs. He needs feedback. Mm. He needs to – but we all do. And not just Donald Trump. It's, it's your prime minister. It's people need feedback because what, guess what? Nobody knows it all. But the people out there, they all have their perspectives and they've been, they've been there in their own particular ways. They have expertise to, to help each other. And, and only then, through feedback. Yeah. Sorry, Scott. Sorry, it's cut across here. Tim, feedback. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, you get the best feedback in the world, but Donald Trump, he's not going to listen to it. Mm. So it's not going to have any, have any impact. But, you know, the man to talk about feedback, I mean, the, the one person who has been uh, the standard for, for in, in terms of excellence and talking about feedback and safety is Dom. So 
I'll, I'll, I'll give the, uh, I'll give the floor to him on this one. <laughs> right. Let me just add one more thing. Yes, yeah, sorry, that. Scott. I cut across you there. Please carry on. Well, the reason, the reason is that Trump is in a mindset of win lose, and that's where you have to. It's got to be win win, and so he, you're right. He's at a disadvantage, as many of these leaders, so-called leaders, their managers, they have a, they're, they're in win-lose. I want to win. So he does whatever. It's self-serving. Mm. He's clearly not at the top of Maslow's hierarchy. No. So, but, but again, we citizens we need to teach people, you know, yeah. the yeah. value of win-win, interdependent. Okay. Well, the, only thing, the only thing I've got a problem with now is we've run out of time. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, this is one of those things that I, firstly, it's been a challenge to get this going, to get all three of you together on this at the same time. But I personally have found it very interesting, uh, educational. And I'm mindful that we have 13 questions that are raised by folks, and we're not going to cover any of those today. seems like we've started probably somewhere at the bottom of Maslow's Triangle and not really worked any higher up on that. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to throw something out to everybody on the call. And there's, there's, there's a lot of people on the call here. And I'm going to say that provided you three are agreeable and acceptable to this proposal, and those of you on the call are, I'm quite happy to facilitate this. Maybe we try and do this once a month, once a quarter or whatever, because it's important that we try and get some sort of a network going like this. It's not going to be commercially based or anything. It's purely all about educational and trying to, increase our knowledge, which Scott is a very, very, in fact, Dom and Tim are very uh, strong advocates for. If you are happy to do that and to participate, drop me an email, just say yes or no, whatever. Scott's given me the thumbs up already. Well, you always do that anyway, Scott. Yes, too. Yeah. Um, but I will be more than happy to be the facilitator for this and do the best I can to try and bring some sort of a group together because I think we need each other during these hard times. I certainly found myself a bit socially isolated, but I'm, I'm a bit of a hermit anyway. But I've got a thumbs up from M. Jabinet. I don't know who that is. Oh, you can do thumbs up on this. If you, you, know, how to, do up. If you know how to do the technology, just do it. <laughs> You're way ahead of me anyway. Uh, but, um, you know, Charlie... Uh, Bernard, you, you're from New York. You raised a question. I'm very sorry, my friend. We're not going to get around to that question because we'll be here all evening. There's lots and lots of thumbs up, the bottom line. Mark, sure, nice to see you. Karen, Chris, there's so many names on here. So, suggestion. Um, yeah. Andy, can, I, can I just ask to Noel, and I know Noel's out there from the Philippines. He is. Uh, I know there's another guy out there from Indonesia. Yes. They're both essentially the same thing as to the point I've made is about the social distancing, how you enforcing that, because if it rips through those countries, it's going to be awful. Yeah. Okay? Listen to what I said. Look at what Greece has done, handed over control to the women uh, in conjunction with the government and the authorities, and it may save an awful lot of lives, tens of thousands of lives. Okay. okay? Thank so, you. In Indonesia... after if they wish. Thanks, Tom. Indonesia, 1.15 in the morning, I think. So, no, and whoever else out in Singapore, I don't know if Casey's on, but listen, guys, thank you for staying up, and I'm sorry that uh, it's so uh, early in the morning for you. And, I'm, so, and so for the next one, uh, Sonny, can we have a, uh, going back to, uh, way back for, uh, for Scott, yeah. uh, where, where he wrote a, a piece, or a book rather, on expanding the paradigm, and that's from <laughs> behavioural-based safety to people-based. 
Right. I think that would be very pertinent uh, for this situation now uh, from the lockdown because this is the time now that con constraints uh, will inspire innovation. Yeah. And how are we going to continue to uh, move that forward? Well, Mal, you've raised a good point, and that is that I, I'm only a conduit for your communication. So what I would suggest is you've given lots of thumbs up on this. We're going to have about 15,000 topics to discuss, right? So what we'll do is we'll put a hit list of topics that we're going to cover as a sort of a series type thing, yeah? If we do that, we can pick the one you just suggested there, Mal, talk to Scott about PBS, people-based safety, Dom, Tim, everybody, does that, does that all work for you? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. After this um, session, I'll send you all out an email, respond back with what you want to talk about. It's, it's not what I want to talk about, it's what you want to talk about with, uh, with the experts. And uh, let, let's try and get some sort of, well, community growing. There's certainly, I think, for the next 12 months, we're going to need to uh, work a lot closer together. Excellent. Gents, do you want to have the last few words as well? Dom? Well, first of all, yeah, I'd like to say to Malcolm, it would be wonderful to see a red rose and a flag behind him. <laughs> <laughs> Scott? I'll do that for you I can't next hear you. I can't hear you. I can't, I've lost, lost sound. Yeah, best thing to do that, Mal, I think. Put it on the mute. Um, Scott? I love the reference to people-based safety, and the academic term that I'm using these days is humanistic behaviorism. Right. Using select principles of humanism, which includes empathy, it includes Maslow's high, it's, it includes self-transcendence to make behavior-based safety more effective. Right. Tim? Uh, well, first thing to say, of course, is Mal, don't listen to Dom, please. <laughs> Uh, I won't. Don't worry, boy. <laughs> no bias there, of course. Tim. And uh, and secondly, you know, in, in, uh, I know the Dom, Dom and I can have a really good debate about this, but we've moved very much towards the well-being and mental health field here, and trying to get human resources to work hand in glove with with safety uh, safety teams. And and I think the the push and the need for that is going to be uh, over the next decade is going to be huge. On a, on, a, on a final note, there's a lot of smart people on this uh, on this session. Maybe it's time for a change. Maybe we need to think about a different approach to um, psychological challenges in terms of health, safety, and well-being for the future. Maybe with the mass that's on this uh, session, we can do that. I, I, I sound like I'm trying to launch something here, but I think I, know, I think you understand what I'm trying to say. So leave it with me. I will try and set something up. And if you can all join the call, fantastic. I think this has gone really well with, uh, gosh, I don't know, 65 people or whatever. All I've got to say is a sign of namaste. Thank you so much for taking part. And um, I will see you and catch up with you soon on another session. So thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank take you. care. Dom. Cheers, Tim. Scott. Take care. Thank you from Indiana. <laughs> oh, great stuff. And Scott, Dom, Tim, I'll catch up with you guys separately. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. Thank you for arranging everything. You're welcome. Be safe. You too. Yeah, thanks Thank very much. Thanks for arranging it all. Yes.